more park closures, smugglers run secrets, and the king is dead. Long live the king. That and more, all on today's Park Hop. Welcome to this week's episode of The Great Park Hop. My name is Julian James, and to my right, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Henry Hall. Watch out now. Each week we get together to discuss the latest and greatest theme park news happenings and burning topics from the lands of Disney, Universal, and beyond. Before launching into things, though, we'd like to note that Henry works at the Walt Disney Company. As always, his opinions are fully his own. Henry! How you doing, man? You have a trip coming up in a few hours here, man. Are you ready? Uh, for the most part, yeah. I'm uh, getting everything done, uh, finishing up my checklist, making sure everything gets packed, updating my uh, listen to list. So uh, for my drive, because you have a you have a heck of a drive coming up. Yeah, it's about uh, six to seven hours, uh, depending on how I drive, uh, <laughs> any laws that I might break on the way down. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so you're leaving at like, what time are you leaving? I usually leave sometime after like midnight. Yeah, so you're a night driver. That um, And so to put that into context for anyone that doesn't live in the kind of one of the California metro areas, um, Basically, the Bay Area and Los Angeles are two of the worst traffic areas um, in the country. And so anything you can do to avoid that, even if that means leaving at midnight or at 2 a.m., makes total sense. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing like being stuck in uh, traffic for hours on end. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nice going at, at night. There's nothing like being stuck in traffic for hours on end, knowing that the park is like, it's just a few miles away, but those miles are going to take forever. Oh, yeah. That's I, the worst. Knowing that the park is open and people are enjoying themselves, hopping onto Big Thunder, hopping onto, you know, Star Tours, hopping into Smuggler's Run, getting their boarding passes, and you're stuck in traffic. Yeah, I mean, you, it's nothing like, you know, you always, you're just like one mile away and that one mile is taking an hour. <laughs> which is, which is common. It's totally common in, oh, yeah. uh, in LA traffic. So, uh, good luck with that. Do you have your, are you, are you mentally prepared to get into the chaos of rise of the resistance boarding pass insanity? I really don't think so. <laughs> uh, but, uh, I'm hoping, I'm hoping at least hopefully that uh, first day we get there, we get in there and, and we're able to get it done so that uh, at least I have the satisfaction of writing it at least once during this trip. Yeah. I think you, I mean, you, you'll have a couple of opportunities. I think you'll, you'll have a good shot. You just got to hammer it out, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst, but oh, yeah, <laughs> make sure your make sure your phone is fully charged. Oh Yeah. I always have my phone charged and uh, and a battery pack, uh, a spare battery pack with me. Ready to roll all oh. times. Oh, yeah. Henry Hall. Well, it has been quite the week in Disney Park news. It always seems to be. It seems like, man, uh, so much is always going on. But this week especially is impactful in the land of all things Disney because Bob Iger, the now former CEO of the Walt Disney Company, has officially stepped down. Um, His replacement will be Bob Chapek, 
who has been with the company for almost 30 years. His previous title before being CEO was the chairman of Disney Parks Experiences and Products, a very forward-facing, consumer-focused kind of role. Um, his leadership profile on the Walt Disney Company website states, during his tenure, Disney Parks saw the largest investment and expansion in its 60-year history, including the successful opening of Shanghai Disney Resort, nearly doubling the Disney Cruise Line fleet, introducing the most technologically advanced and immersive lands in the park's history, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland Resort and Walt Disney World Resort, the growth of Marvel-inspired attractions across the globe, and one of the most ambitious development projects at Disneyland Paris since the park first opened. Iger will be staying on as, a, as executive chairman through December 31st, 2021, so he'll be around uh, for a little bit longer, and his primary focus will be the company's overall creative vision and strategy, along with ensuring a smooth transition. So this seemed to come out of nowhere, even though we've known that something like this was going to happen at some point soon. Initially, this was supposed to even be earlier, but as soon as Disney announced that there was this Fox acquisition that was uh, occurring, that got pushed back. And that also then kind of aligned with the launch of Disney+. Plus. But, um, but yeah, so it's happened. Bob Chapek. Yeah, it's, uh, it's this Bob's turn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a long line of bobs. This is this is the uh this is the way. Yeah. I mean <laughs> from one bob to another. Uh <laughs> but uh yeah, I, th I think uh I think things are fine. I mean, there shouldn't be any kind of uh uh worry by anybody whatsoever. I mean, for one thing, Iger's still still hanging around, so Yeah, know. I think that's definitely of course anytime you can have a long transition like that, that completely makes sense. Um, and really, I mean, the time seems to be about right. Like we had these major occurrences that um, have happened recently between, like we said, Disney plus 20th century Fox uh, most recently. And there's n at least that public facing, there's nothing major like that on the horizon. So I'm sure there's plenty of stuff going on, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't want to dig too deep into the, kind of knee-jerk reactions, skies falling, um, kind of hot takes around all of that too much because um, there's plenty of that to go around on the internet. And really, I mean, we just don't know that much in terms of, you know, what Chapik is going to do going forward. Certainly, like we said, his his most recent primary experience uh, has, has been pretty heavy on Disney Park. So, you know, he was very front and um, very front facing during the launch of Galaxy's Edge. He was at all of those kind of big announcements. He always does the Disney Parks uh, and Experiences presentation at D23. So it's somebody, he at least is somebody that all Disney Parks fans are, um, are very familiar with. But, um, but I mean, that being said, it's always a little, it's always a little nerve wracking when you do have, um, you, when things are going so well for the Disney parks right now, um, and things, it's such an exciting time to be a Disney park and really a fan of anything Walt Disney. But, um, but really, I mean, you know, when you think about, when you think about where, Disney parks were when Iger started 
as CEO, right? We had the Michael Eisner era um, right before that, which started very positive. Then we hit Euro Disney and the issues with that. Then we had kind of the really poor launch of Disney California Adventure and some of these other kind of cheaper attractions and parks that that sprung up over the years. Uh, Eisner left on a very poor kind of note, at least in terms of you know uh, how how Disney Parks fans were feeling at the time. It was a very low air time period um, to be a Disney Parks fan. So that's what uh, that's what Iger came into. And really, when you look at where he's leaving, like we said. I would have a very difficult time and I have a very difficult time thinking about another period where the level of expansion and excitement is as high as it is. I mean, you have no park in any of the around the world, any of these Disney parks that aren't going through some level of major expansion. I mean, we've talked about um, all of these various things going on, but I mean, it's it, it really is incredible when you look at kind of where he started and where he ended just purely from a Disney Parks perspective. Oh, yeah. And then just like all the properties that he brought into uh, into the Disney uh, under the Disney umbrella, you know, so there's so much there. But then you also have uh, Chapek, who's been, uh, you know, part of the parks themselves. So, I mean... This potentially could be even a good thing just because he may, he's got, you know, hands-on, probably more hands-on experience with the parks and having him as the forefront even more so now, maybe the parks will stay more on the forefront and maybe, you know, we'll keep seeing more expansion, Uh, but you know, we'll see. I think I, I don't imagine there's going to be as much change as a lot of people are worried about. If people are even worried about it, because uh, you know, Chapex been around for a long time, so it's not like they're bringing in somebody new from outside. Right. Uh, he's definitely got practical experience with the park, so it's well. And to that point, it's like if you know, day to day decisions around any of the specific kind of business areas, so Disney Parks being one of them, um, more often than not, it's less of a, a, a it's less of a CEO that makes that makes the most impact and more of who the specific kind of owner of that area is. So in a sense, probably just as impactful as him being CEO to the parks is going to be who's going to come in and fill his previous role. Um, I think it's probably safe to say that they're going to have as much, if not more of an impact on what we see as uh, as guests to the park. Um, True. But I think also when you have somebody in a position of CEO who actually has practical experience with that uh, product, they can make better, more informed uh, decisions when like because usually they make, you know, higher level uh, decisions. So they're they're making strategic decisions on the overall like they have to see the big, big, big picture. But it's always great for them to have, you know, practical experience so they can like kind of maneuver those uh, areas that they're familiar with into better positions. So, yeah, I think this is still uh, I think things are going to be good. Well, certainly to your point as well, it's like we have uh, all of the parks with these expansions that are going on are mapped out for the next few years anyway. So yeah. any major change is still a ways out. But 
Um, interesting to see kind of where that goes. And again, at least from a park's perspective, uh, sad to see Bob Iger go. Um, will be interesting to see where he goes to next and what his next adventure is, but we'll see. So next up, looking at another part of the world, Tokyo Disney Resort, uh, Universal Studios Tokyo, and Legoland Japan have all closed amid the most recent coronavirus outbreak in that part of the world. So the parks have announced that um, there's a minimum two-week closure with a tentative reopening date of March 16th. They've also been very clear about the fact that that date could move out further. It's it's really all dependent on uh, when this risk starts to, to die down. Um, refunds and date changes are currently being allowed for park tickets and, and packages for all three of those parks. Of course, if you're somebody that's affected by this, um, definitely go to each individual park site or wherever you're, wherever you purchased your, uh, tickets or packages and look for the specific, um, language to ensure that you're somebody that's going to be able to get your money back, but chances are good. So to put it into context, Tokyo Disney is the third Disney resort to close due to coronavirus fears. Um, Shanghai and Hong Kong have been closed since January 26th with no reopening timeframe given. So they're not even speculating how long that's going to be. Um, it's just closed until further notice. So pretty insane to think about that there are three Disney parks um, and multiple other theme parks in various parts of the world that are just totally shut down. Yeah. Uh, to uh, Japan is taking the coronavirus outbreak uh, very, very serious. I mean, I, I believe they're also closing like public schools are closing yes. and there's actually talk saying that uh, potentially the Olympics may be off. Right. So, and that's a big deal because uh, Japan already put a lot of money into, you know, into the Olympics. So oh, yeah. very serious time um, for Japan. Uh, but then again, for the world, uh, people are very, very scared of the coronavirus right now. But we should also, you know, be very, uh, you know, you know, upfront that, you know, the coronavirus isn't necessarily um, as should be, you know, we should consider it as, as bad as the flu. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, it's pretty much like a really bad flu from what I'm hearing. Uh, I mean, so we should kind of take that into consideration. It's, uh, it's bad for children, of course, and for elderly. Um, but a lot of people who are getting it aren't symptomatic and basically are not, as sick as we are as scared of it as it is. But, uh, I think the, the most uh, the fear comes from that. It's, uh, you can be contagious and not know you have it. Well, and I mean, specifically, these are, these are locations where they are like tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people all clustered together and kind of sharing germs, right? Like, I mean, I know going to a Disney park, um, I wouldn't consider myself a full-blown germaphobe, but it, it it doesn't escape me like when I'm riding in, you know, ride vehicles or I'm holding on to like security things or buckling my belt even at uh, buckling my seatbelt on certain rides, like how many other people have come into contact with that. 
Um, so it's like, it is, I mean, it, going to Disneyland or any of Disney park, even without the specific fear of the coronavirus is still like a very germ intensive experience. So, um, so I mean, that's obviously a, a, a huge component of it, but I mean, you're right in that, you know, uh, even though there is this concern about it, they haven't shut down any of the U S parks yet. It's something I'm sure they're monitoring, um, so it's important to take precautions, probably even, listen, you should be, uh, washing your hands pretty regularly at any Disney park anyway, if not, um, dousing yourself on the reg with, uh, with, uh, disinfectant, uh, gel like I do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you should definitely take extra precaution in this case uh, make sure to wash your hands before eating anything or even, you know, uh, every so often just keep clean. Yeah. <laughs> it's clean. Yeah. But, it's always a good idea. I mean, so does this make you a little nervous for your trip uh, coming up? Uh, well, you know, it's funny cause, uh, you know, I don't know if I should be more worried that I'm going to a place where there's a lot of people who potentially could have it or the fact that I'm leaving a place that potentially has it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cause a lot of people may not know, but, uh, uh, there was a big, uh, you know, uh, to do in Solano County area, right. which is the area I live in. So, yep. so potentially I'm leaving a, uh, an area that may have it is potentially, I may have it. Sweet. <laughs> Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll know. At least I'll know who to blame. Uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, right. Exactly. Worried is not the right answer perhaps, but, um, or maybe it's a little bit too strong. I know that for me, so I have my I have my Disney World trip coming up in late April. Um, I'm definitely the thought entered my mind for sure after after seeing all of these parks close. Like it is not out of the realm of possibility that something happens that closes those parks during the next month or two. Yeah. Uh, hopefully not. I guess the thing for me is that I'm not so much worried about getting it because I feel like if I got it, I would be fine. But I worry more about like me getting other people sick. I don't want to get other people sick, especially children. Right. So, I mean, that's what I'm more concerned about, you know, getting, you know, other people sick. Uh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a carrier. <laughs> so, no. uh, so who would? Well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people are worried about getting sick because they're worried that, you know, they may not be able to, you know, come out of it and whatnot. But, you know, I'm not so much worried about that. I'm usually a very healthy individual, so I don't get sick very often uh, besides uh, other medical issues I may have. Well, it's like, but, you know, even beyond just, you know, taking taking the whole uh, any kind of risk of death out of it, because obviously that's uh, that's freaking people out. But like, who wants to, who wants that? Who wants to be sick? Well, <laughs> Nobody, yeah. Right. Like it doesn't sound, even if it's just flu, vi flu virus uh, symptoms, like who wants that? Yeah. But I, I mean, from what I've been uh, hearing about, you know, coming about from uh, people, I think one, one, uh, one person who came off one of that, the diamond cruise line, he was saying that his wife had it. She tested positive for it never showed any symptoms right. and never felt it. So, yep. but, and uh, she's now, I think, uh, passed it. 
I guess the worrisome part of it is, is normally like say with the flu, if you've gotten the flu and you finally get over it, you usually do not get the flu again. They're saying that with the uh, coronavirus or COVID-19, you potentially can get it again and you could potentially pass it on to your pets. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a good situation, but uh, I mean, We'll see what happens. I, by the way, was very impressed by that that flex right there. COVID nineteen, very very impressive. <laughs> I see what's going on over there, Mister Flex. A lot. All right. Speaking of Walt Disney World, uh, the refurbishment time frame has officially been announced for Spaceship Earth at Epcot. Of course, this is the iconic uh, uh, ride and structure that is um, the image that's most closely associated with Epcot. Um, this was initially discussed at D23, along with the rest of the park, um, that uh, everything would be going through a multi-year re-imaging. And Disney has officially announced that the start date for this construction on Spaceship Earth will be May 26th and continuing through the second half of 2022. Um, the goal, of course, here seems to be to have it all wrapped up and ready to go and open and showing it off for Epcot's 40th anniversary, which is insane to think that it's been 40 years that Epcot has been open. Um Along with this announcement, Disney has also released some concept drawing of, uh, of a new Egypt section, which, uh, quote, is transformed by the power of light, which I guess is going to be a theme that's going to be uh, a newer theme that's going to be throughout the attraction. So, again, happy that uh, it will be open while I'm there. Uh, I'll get to check it out. So that'll be good times. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It means that... I don't know if I get a chance to go uh, when it's like open because it's, it's shut down for quite some time. It's like two years, man. It's insane. Yeah, it's crazy when you think about uh, how long they're spending on this, and it's not like a it's not like a brand new ride that they're building. I mean, though, uh, I mean, for all intents and purposes, it seems like this is a new ride that's being built. I mean, it's not a refurb; it is a complete reimaging. So. Um, always sad when one of these kind of classic, uh, kind of nostalgic rides, um, that, that you would closely, so closely associate with the park is, um, is kind of redone. I mean, it's on one hand, it's very cool to see kind of how, uh, how it's going to be updated, but you know, I always, I always personally feel anyway, like a piece of that kind of nostalgic past, a piece of that like charm that you get in a lot of those classic Disney park rides. Um, you kind of lose that with some of these updates. Sometimes you get really lucky and you get like an Alice in Wonderland uh, or you get, you know, a um, even, you know, I guess now it's under refurbishment again, but Snow White, uh, Scary Adventure in Disneyland was really well done and updated in a way uh, that uh, that made it feel kind of both classic and still charming, but had some really cool new effects to it yeah it's interesting because like for uh disney's uh diamond celebration they had some pictures up of some of the original rides that uh, are definitely not there anymore right and it was so interesting like some of them were so so different yeah although there was a interesting one uh i think they kind of tried to reimagine it for uh luigi's uh oh the uh, flying saucers yeah yeah and uh, that didn't work out so well no. for me and my wife. <laughs> oh, man. We we got on it, 
And one of the most embarrassing points in uh, ever in Disneyland, we got on the ride and, you know, the air started and you're supposed to like hover around and bump into people and that. And you're supposed to use your weight, right? So the whole concept is that you're kind of in a, you're in a kind of flat-ish kind of ride vehicle and the floor that all of the ride vehicles on are kind of like air vents. And so it gives you enough force that you can kind of guide the idea. The concept is that you're supposed to kind of be able to guide your vehicle in a way so that um, with, with your, with leaning and your own body weight, but yeah. much like the original flying saucers uh, it was a flawed concept and that nobody could ever move well i mean you're basically on you're on a giant uh air hockey table right and yes. uh and you're trying to move around this thing started everybody around us is moving around me and my wife stuck right there we are not <laughs> moving anywhere and we're just kind of like uh is is this are we doing this right and it's like oh man are we are we just that much? Are we just a bunch of fatties and we're just keeping this down? Like, <laughs> well, you know, it definitely was. I mean, like I said, it was it, they experienced. It was it was one of those examples of paying too much fan service and listening to kind of feedback that you're getting from uh, from your consuming audience because Flying Saucer is one of those things that a lot of people had nostalgia for for classic Disneyland and Tomorrowland, um, and they soon figured out why it didn't, why, why it was eventually taken out of Tomorrowland. Yeah. It was just one of those things where it was like, yeah, this, this probably should have stayed, <laughs> should have stayed dead. Yeah. But I mean, current uh, Luigi's Rollick and Roast Roadsters is uh, a lot better. Yeah. Oh, much better. And I mean, you know, it's just, it's, uh, it's one of those aspects about Cars Land that really makes it one of the, the premier kind of lands in any of the Disney parks. Oh, it really yeah. is incredible. Um, so sticking at Disneyland Resort, uh, there is a new parade called Magic Happens that premiered um, to some very positive reviews. So the official opening date was on February 27th, but it did have a soft preview the day before that. So we have a few days of feedback from it. Um and there is a ton of positivity coming in, especially at the um, towards the evening parade time. So you have a couple of times that it runs. You have uh, kind of a late afternoon time, and then you have an evening time once the sun is starting to set. And it is a very kind of similarly to how Paint the Night floats were very, um, very light focused. So there was a lot of like LED screens and panels to really bring some of the aspects of the floats to life. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they've continued to do with magic happens as well. So it sounds like that those effects, um, really are significantly better in the evening time. So if that's something that you can swing, definitely make that happen. Henry, please go see this and report back because I've seen uh, a couple of the video previews on it and it looks incredible. It sounds incredible. People that were there um, described the overall parade as fresh fun with awesome music and incredible floats that really needs to be seen in the evening time to be appreciated. Uh, so make that happen, dude. I want to hear, I want to hear the Henry Hall report. Oh, I'm, yeah, we're going to see it. Uh, I'm sure my wife is really going to uh, want to watch that and, Last time we uh, saw the, watched the electric light parade, she actually recorded the whole thing and oh, streamed cool. it light. 
Uh, and we had a perfect seating yeah. for it, uh, spot for it. Well, they do say it's it's uh, if you want a good spot, start lining up like two hours before the parade. It's 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 high demand as you can imagine. Yeah, but that's with every like every parade. I think uh, I mean, well, especially with the electrolyte parade, it was always like that. We just looked up and uh, like they had a. a a roped off area and then they moved it last nice. second and we just happened to be like right there. So, uh, <laughs> well, to, I mean, so to put it into perspective though, like why there is such a uh, level of excitement around this, uh, the last new daytime parade, which was Mickey's sensational parade was almost a decade ago. So it's been quite a while since we've had a, uh, a new daytime parade. So it's, uh, it's about time for sure. Um, but like I said, it sounds like, it sounds like the evening time is the time to go, but, uh, always a good time. I mean, we, we, you know, we were talking about this a few episodes ago, but it seems like what they've done. And obviously again, Disney is a nostalgia factory, so they're very good at this, but, um, the great thing about this parade is it really does mix a lot of classic properties along with newer properties. So, uh, you know, they've got a Moana float, which looks incredible with some really awesome LED screens. They've got a, uh, they've got a, um, a cocoa float, which looks incredible, but then they've also got like a sword in the stone float, which looks incredible. So, uh, so like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see it myself. I'm excited to hear what you think of it. So. Yeah, we're definitely going to check it out. That's on our list to check out. Bright moments, man. And finally, there is a secret Chewy mode that's been discovered on Smuggler's Run. The uh, The method involves, first of all, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty specific in terms of what you what you have to do and you have to involve the entire group to make this happen. So basically each position has a specific set of buttons that they have to hit in a timed sequence before the cast member activates your specific ride pod. So again, requires a lot of coordination between everybody. Um, and if you're able to do it correctly, all of the instruction and in VO from Hondo is replaced with kind of chewy howls. Yeah. <laughs> so it's chewy giving you directions and narrating the entire experience. So uh, obviously if you don't know what that ride is, if that's the first time you're riding it, it's going to be very confusing. Uh, you're not going to know quite what to do. Yeah. But I think, uh, well, I don't know if you don't know what to do, uh, I don't think the Hondo ever really gives you specific situ uh, directions that, you know. He does. Well, I mean, he does. Coaxium. Go get the coaxium canisters. Yeah, but Shoot. you. Engineers, press the button when you're right behind it. Yeah, but the, but be. the lights, I mean, I, I don't think I was paying attention to anything he was oh, saying yeah. when we were on it. I just started uh, pressing buttons that lit up. Oh. Hey, that's lighting up. That's true. Press it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's basically if you are anything other than the pilot, that's your experience, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the pilots actually have... Uh, UI like uh, is actually telling him what to do. Yeah. Of course, my wife didn't re recognize that, oh, realize that, so she was just going all over the place with the uh, with the stick. But uh, I think it's uh, interesting. But I think 
most of the people who are probably like going into Chewy mode probably already know what they're doing. Oh yeah. I mean, again, it's like it. So, um, if you want to see this being done, Fresh Baked on YouTube is one of the first groups to really post something on this and to show the actual process being done successfully. Um, and I mean, it's hilarious for sure. But uh, but yeah, like I said, it's like you have to go in with a with a really hardcore plan. The other question I had, is this is this your doing, Henry? No, no, not your. <laughs> this seems had, like a very Henry Hall thing. Uh, no, I had nothing to do with it. Uh uh, but it's a cool thing to definitely, uh, to be put in. I mean, it's, I, it does make me wonder like, is there anything else yes, in there? Exactly. This was my thought as well was like, if this is what can happen and if you're going to in, you know, kind of put little Easter eggs into the experience, what else is there? But it also really opens up the possibilities in terms of where they can go with this experience. Right. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like when you look at stuff like uh, Star Tours, Star Tours has been around a long time and they've actually started, you know, they've in the last kind of 10 years, they keep uh, they've been refreshing it right. and adding new locations. And then with this showing up, it also shows the potential that Smuggler's Run is uh, one of those rides that they put in that can get you know, like uh, fresh, you know, new locations possibly too. And oh, to, and I think that was something that when they when they were talking about the ride that was brought up as a this is going to happen and it, it does need to happen because it um, especially with with it being an interactive experience it doesn't you know if you after you've ridden it a few times in a few of the different positions it doesn't. Unlike Star Tours, which is a very passive experience, kind of interacting in the same ways over and over and over again is kind of it gets it gets repetitive pretty quickly after say after maybe like two or three rides with Smuggler's Run, I was kind of like, got it. I don't think I need to. I mean, I mean, no, I didn't feel like I needed a repeat ride. Well, that is unless you are a highly competitive person. And you want to make sure that you're uh, getting a higher score than your wife. But the thing is, I do it every time. So it's not at a certain point, all the winning just gets, I'm, I'm tired of the winning. Oh, well, I mean, who are you, who are you going against? Everybody, oh. all comers, oh. everyone, everyone is welcome to come, to come and uh, try their luck against me and lose. It's just, it's like I said, the fun is, the fun has been drained because the victory just is, is my normal. You did beat my wife in uh, midway. <laughs> she listen. She came with the noise, and she had a she she talked a very big game, and uh, could not back it up. No. Uh, but like I, she was, I, I welcomed the challenge. I warned her like I've got a little bit of skill in Toy Story Mania and uh, Midway Mania, and uh, but if she wants to take the challenge, if she wants to take the dip, yeah. Well, I you know. I don't think we ever uh, checked out how well we did in uh, in uh, Buzz Lightyear, did we? Oh, we did. Oh, I don't remember what my score was on that. It's let's keep it that way then. So uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting. I mean, I think they definitely, at the bare minimum, need to have more interactivity or at least more missions and stuff like that coming through uh, Smuggler's Run. Now that they're going into their first kind of full year of of being open and it makes sense like like we've been talking about how people coming into galaxy's edge um are this is probably going to be their first time a lot of them postponed it knowing that the uh, rise of the resistance was going to be delayed 
Um, so this is going to be the first big summer with everything open, with the land really being at at least at least fully realized in the sense that both of the the attractions are going to be good to go. So it makes sense to keep that experience open and still consistent, but no doubt they're already thinking about, well, when, what are the next experiences and when are they, yeah. when are they going to be rolled in? Yeah. But I mean, something like this is, uh, interesting enough to keep people like coming back and trying to uh, ride it and maybe even keeping, uh, people, you know, a little less focused on uh, rise of the resistance and the fact that they may can't ride it. And, but this is a good thing to kind of like, Oh, well, this is a nice little uh, diversion, as yeah. you say. It'd be interesting too if so. I'm Mission Space at Epcot does something really interesting where uh, they they have two different experiences, um, and I'm always surprised that more rides don't do something like this. But they kind of have a system where um, you know the, the idea of Mission Space is it's all simulating what it's like to take off from. Earth and either, depending on the experience that you're going on, either kind of orbit around Earth and then land later or go to Mars. And if you're in the Mars mission, which is orange, uh, which is the original uh, the original ride, uh, it is super intense, high G forces, and they had a lot of complaints around it, which is why then they came out with this other experience, um, which is the green mission, which is uh, doesn't have the extreme G forces and as much more of a mild experience. And so, uh, but I'm always surprised that they don't do more of that kind of a, a thing because certainly there are a ton of, uh, Smuggler's Run has a very high ride rider capacity. They can take tons of rides and there's something like, I forget how many of those kind of pod wheels that there are, but there's quite a few. So certainly it would probably take a little bit of time for it to die down, but it would be really interesting if, I mean, even if it was randomized, like that's what, that's what star tours is, right. It's Mm -hmm. kind of randomized. These segments are randomized. So, um, you know, it would be really, it would be, would seem like it would be awesome if they could do something where it's like, do you want to do the standard kind of mission or do you want to do the new mission or I don't know what? Well, I mean, choice is always a good thing. Who knows if this isn't, stuff that's already actually in the works, but, you know, knowing uh, Disney, what they'll do is they'll have that in their back pocket and wait to a point. Cause right now they don't really need to use this right now to bring people in. They got, uh, you know, they have rise of the resistance, bringing people to the galaxy's edge. Now people are kind of like, well, you know, why are we going to run? Why, uh, smuggles run? We have chewy mode, which is keeping the ride in, in, uh, in the uh, public's eye, you know, so it's making people aware of it again. So they don't really have to use that yet. I think uh, they'll keep it kind of in their back pocket until a point where, okay, maybe next year. Well, I mean, yeah, next year they need to renew people's interest in it. Hey, we got a new update or they'll do it with like a new movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause with the new movies, they've been adding like new yeah. locations to star tours, keeping star tours on people's, uh, radar. So this, they may do the same thing with, uh, smugglers run, but definitely, you know, chew, chewy mode is, uh, definitely something to keep, uh, you know, uh, 
smugglers run on people's radar at this point. Or even just, I mean, it's, it's like, it is one of those things where it's like, um, I don't know for your average kind of, uh, guest how much that's going to matter even, or if it's going to hit their radar. But certainly if you are to, to your point earlier, it's something that if you're a park enthusiast and you've ridden that multiple times, it gives you that extra incentive. Plus, I think this is also something for the, uh, like hardcore star Wars fans. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely like, this is like kind of maybe that little, like a uh, little special touch that they feel like, Cause I mean, you know, hardcore fans really want something to kind of like, like feel like it's theirs. And, uh, I think that's something that's probably that Easter egg is something for Easter eggs are always like the hardcore fans, uh, little touch of love. It gets you thinking about how awesome that Mandalorian mission would be. Oh yeah. It was interesting. The other day I was, uh, driving through town and, <laughs> Somebody in a full, full-on Chewbacca costume <laughs> walked across the street. I guess they have a, uh, like a lightsaber type uh, academy in town. Yes, just another day. Oh man, I was just like, what? <laughs> he walks by, look down the street. There's a. I think there was somebody dressed in a Darth Vader costume as well. It was uh, interesting to see. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, that was not the craziest part of your day. Oh uh, no. So, um, so since we're talking about Galaxy's Edge, and we've we've certainly been covering kind of Galaxy's Edge and Rise of the Resistance, and doing a lot of discussion around it, which makes sense. It's the latest and greatest thing that everyone's kind of talking about. So we will move off of this at some point, but uh, but for now, it's still it's still there's a lot of questions surrounding it, and so you know one of the areas that we've talked a little bit about. Um, and that you're going to experience soon enough here, but that there's been a little bit of chatter around as well. Is this um, is this boarding pass system or this kind of virtual queue system that that um, Disney has implemented for this? And so, certainly for me, it has been something that um, I've been thinking about. Kind of like, well, what is the what's the is this the future of these big e-ticket attraction rides that are going to come out? Um, you know, it's something that they started with really, it seemed like they started with when galaxy's edge was doing its soft opening and they had that online reservation system where you, um, you got into a virtual queue when booking your time slot and you know, when your number was called, you could choose what day and what kind of four hour time block to visit Galaxy's Edge. And it's something that at least seemed like it was a system that worked well enough for them to then kind of implement it a little bit more um, directly with Rise of the Resistance and that now you can access it through the app. Um, and initially, if you remember, it started out as kind of a first come first serve system. So when it was still at only at Hollywood Studios, you would basically show up at the park and as soon as you walked through, as soon as you were scanned into the park, you could open up the app and claim your spot. So it was basically, if you were into the park early enough, you were good to go. That changed right before it came to California. And this is what California Disneyland did as well, which is basically, it was more of, um, it was more of a lottery system. So everybody kind of crowds into the park at, um, 
app for rope drop. And then as soon as the park opens, everyone can open their app and attempt to get a boarding pass. So, um, and there's been a lot of, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but a lot of, um, a lot of criticism and a lot of just various different thoughts about, uh, how well this works just purely from a, a guest perspective. Um, so kind of before launching into this, I did want to specifically just look at what the major upcoming e-ticket attractions were going to be for, um, that are coming up at least at the U S Disney parks. I think I've covered them all, but if I've missed anything, let me know. But I just wanted to think about like, is this the path that we're, that we should expect for these rides opening up? So we've got the Avengers Academy stuff. We've got the Spider-Man interactive ride coming uh, this summer. And we've got uh, the Quinjet experience coming in a, in a later date, 2021 at some point. Um, we've got the Tron light cycle coaster at, at uh, Magic Kingdom. And we've got the Guardians of the Galaxy coaster at Epcot. We know that there are a couple more rides that are still on the horizon, but for the most part, um, you know, I didn't include Mickey's Railway on here, uh, Runaway Railway, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, because uh, they're going the traditional fast pass queue route, it seems like, for Hollywood Studios. Um, you can book your time or you can wait in line for that ride. So I'm guessing that that's what they're going to do at Disneyland when it opens in Toontown as well. Um, but anyway, so is this, so looking at that slate of rides, do you think that's what Disney's going to do? Like when Avengers Academy opens, are we going to expect to join in a virtual queue for either visiting the park, much like Galaxy's Edge, or visiting that area of the park, or um, riding the Spider-Man ride? You know, that's. Uh, I think you might see uh, you might see a thing uh, the just to visit the land uh, Avengers Campus. I think you want you'll have to join a, a queue to get into that, uh, at least for that, that summer, that first couple months. Uh, I don't know about, uh, whether Spider-Man will have the same as uh, rise of resistance. I think cause uh, Spider-Man should be more, uh, it's not the rise of resistance, like counter it's a smuggler's run and smuggler's run never had that right. you know it's it's still just like get in line so i think uh spider-man will probably just get in line but um you know i think uh to get into the land there's going to be that virtual queue for you're going to have to join uh, at least probably for that first uh two months um that it's open but again you don't know. I mean, if they learned anything from Galaxy's Edge and in uh, in Disneyland, at least, because you know, without having two rides, I think you're going to get the same thing as you did with Galaxy's Edge. A lot of people said, "I'm interested. I'm very interested," but it's not worth getting into a queue and going through all this uh, hassle to go into a land that only has one ride. You know, and the rest of the rest of the land is just there to take my money. <laughs> right. So just purely speaking strategy, I guess, here from a, a, a standpoint. So um, if you are if you are the Walt Disney Company thinking about how can we maximize spending throughout the park, 
um, it doesn't do you very good. Uh, doesn't aid in separating guests from their money if they're waiting in a three-hour line. That's three hours that they're not purchasing food, purchasing gifts. Again, like just purely from a spending perspective, it totally makes sense to say, yeah, don't wait in line. Go and do other stuff in the park because the chances that they're going to be in an opportunity where they're going to spend more money increases, right? Yeah. Um, I think the thing, you know, I was just thinking is that, uh, you know, they could get a lot of buzz about if they try and do the, if they do the, you know, the whole like, oh, you need to get into, you need to get a reservation to get into the land. But there could be like a, a, a backlash from the Galaxy's Edge where you, we had, they ran that for Galaxy's Edge and then people got in there and, you know, some people loved it and some people were like, eh, it wasn't really worth it, mm-hmm. you know, and I had to go through all this stuff to, to get this reservation, but it is good press. I mean, right. bad press is still good press. It's press, you know, so. Um, well, it's just like it created a demand for it, right? Like, so, yeah. it, it, so it's like whether you were into Star Wars and are a big Star Wars fan, there is an opportunity for you to experience uh, a new Disney land. Um, and I mean, for Disneyland proper, Disneyland Park, that is, I mean, almost unheard of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but a whole new land that is in high demand and that you um, that you can see before anybody else. And you can, I mean, in, in this age of social media, it gives you social media clout to be able to put your um, Instagram images uh, in from Oga's Cantina with you and your crazy drinks or you and DJ Rex or you in front of the Millennium Falcon or fill in the blank, right? Like, yeah. I mean, that's what, if, if you remember when uh, Galaxy's Edge first opened and they were doing those limited previews, it was like, you couldn't log into at least, at least I couldn't log into any social media without seeing people either that I knew or just other people plastered, plastering their images from their experiences. Um, yeah, I think um, I take it back. The the people who I think really didn't enjoy it uh, or had issue with it were people who were definitely not Star Wars fans per se. And they went because it was like a new land and it had that, and it had that like clout, like, Hey, you know, they haven't had a new land in forever. And now, well, I guess it's not forever, but, uh, it's been a long time. And, uh, and they went to Toontown was the last new land, right? Yeah. As long as you're not talking about California adventure. No, no, just specifically Disneyland proper. Yeah. So it's been a long time, but they went for that. And then of course it's like younger, it was younger kids. I think the adults were like, Hey, this is a new land and these kids should be excited for it. And, uh, they weren't huge star Wars fans. So they, it was kind of lost on them the whole like, uh, experience. So, but everybody I know who is a big Star Wars fan and got to go experience it, they loved it. Yeah, I mean, so we're in a situation now and, and uh, you know, this is all to your point of just creating um, 
creating uh, a buzz around this. But I mean, look at crowd levels still for Rise of the Resistance. It's still packed in the mornings just to get a boarding pass and then the park empties out. So, I mean, really, it's like, uh, you know, when you're there, people start cheering when they're able to get a boarding pass. Like it, with all of the negative press and negativity just surrounding this entire process, I mean, it, people still are super pumped at the opportunity and then just the ability to get on and have the opportunity to ride the super hyped attraction. Yeah, I think, I think what's going to happen is if they run this uh, reservations for uh, Avengers Campus, if you are a Marvel fan... You're not going to be. Uh, you're not going to be disappointed. You're going to enjoy it. This is probably not going to be something for the casual, uh, just uh, fan of say Disney. Uh, they're going to get into the the park, especially if you're not a big Marvel fan. If you go through the reservation system and then you're kind of spending, you you go into the Marvel. Uh, Avengers campus, you're going to be like, well, you know, four hours, I can't spend four hours in this land because there's only one ride and there's nothing else that's really like, uh, you know, interesting to me here. But if you're a Marvel fan, you're going to find something that's going to be interesting to you. So, but, I it, but it's like, if you're, if you're a Marvel fan, like, are you going to California adventure for Marvel land? Probably not, right? So the whether or not you enjoy the experience or even whether you even know about it beforehand probably isn't going to affect your time. Like if you're not a huge Star Wars fan or you were completely oblivious to the whole system beforehand, right? Like let's say you were just a family that booked your family vacation and it just so happened to coincide with Galaxy's Edge opening. and It's like, Certainly you're upset because the possibility is there and maybe you feel like you're missing out on something, but like you're still experiencing Disneyland, which most likely is why you or Hollywood adventure or Hollywood studios, which is why you're, um, which is why you're probably purchasing that trip in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I'm just talking about like if they get into the reservation system, I think uh, if you get the reservation and you're in Marvel, uh, you're in the Avengers campus, you're, you know, you have four hour window. Uh, If you're Marvel fan, you're going to enjoy that time. I think if you're a casual, just a Disney fan, don't bother. Mm. wait till they open up both rides and you don't have to get a reservation to get into the land. Cause then you don't like, cause I think what happens when you get in a reservation, you waited to get a reservation for that land. You have a four hour window to be in that land. You kind of want to spend that four hours or as much time in that land, but there's not going to be enough stuff in there to kind of keep you engaged if you're not a Marvel fan. So I think it's, I think the reservation system, you know, is something that they should avoid. If you're just a casual fan, wait until it like opens up and you can just walk in and, and be, 
you know, and enjoy it that way. Cause you'll be able to, you'll f- won't feel obligated to stay, spend more time in there than you really want to. You can just walk through, check it out, go, Oh, okay. It's, it's interesting, you know, uh, but it's not my, not my bag. Plus it's, I mean, for the most part, the reservation time period is during peak, uh, season probably anyways. And that yeah. would be a time I would avoid regardless. Right. I mean, I, I may, I, I'm a huge Marvel fan, but I'll tell you what, I'm less of a fan of peak season. So, so you're telling me Henry Hall that when I come to you and say, Henry, I'm going to the opening and I'm going to be there and I'm going to get this reservation. Do you want me to add your name to it? You're going to say no. I don't You're know. Turn that down saying I will do the work of getting in that reservation system line online. And as soon as I log in, it asks me how many guests do you want to add? I say none. It's just going to be me. I'm just going to do this solo. No Henry Hall. Well, I mean, I think in something like that, if I went, it would almost be like, hey, we got a four hour window for Marvel uh, Avengers cam- uh, campus. I would probably spend four hours in Avengers campus and then we just leave because, <laughs> uh, you know, the rest of the, you know, I don't have an interest in uh, spending uh, hours, hours in line. You wouldn't get max pass. Mm, I don't know. It's still, you, you, I mean, even with the max pass, you're still looking at, you're probably still going to be in a line. So what you're saying is I should add your name to the reservation. But outside of that reservation time frame, you will not enjoy yourself. I don't know. I, I, I would probably still enjoy myself, even if I'm like sitting in a corner with a turkey leg in one hand and a pickle in the other, uh, just just eating. Uh, but uh, I mean, I don't know. The peak season is so has been so harsh and <laughs> been so rough. So I don't know. You know, now, we're, so we're talking about kind of like learnings from past reservation systems, right? That's kind of what we're talking about now. It's like, obviously, they want to avoid the situation that they were in when Galaxy's Edge opened in that uh, Galaxy's Edge, they spent so long telling everybody and freaking them out about how crowded it's going to be and with this reservation system and then announcing that, well, it's only going to be one ride. Uh, and, you know, hey, maybe think about changing your time frame that you want to visit the park if you're visiting in this time frame because it's going to be slammed. And then nobody was there. <laughs> it's like empty. I mean, there's always that possibility because of local blackouts, right, with the with the annual pass blackouts. So if they keep those going, it's I mean, it, peak season is less intensive because of the blackout periods that they have on annual passes at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. And, oh, you know what might be uh, an interesting thing is I just thought, too, is that uh, I know that they consider Guardians of the Galaxy as part of Avengers Campus. So they'll be probably saying, hey, you know, we got two rides. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But uh, uh, anyways, I don't uh, I don't know it. I don't think. Uh, they're so much worried about the backlash that came from Galaxy's Edge not being as super packed as they were saying. Uh, I think that was probably a good thing. Uh, they still got the hype for Galaxy's Edge and they got, uh, you know, it got enough, you know, uh, actual like press and stuff for that stuff. But For Galaxy's Edge, but I mean, to be clear, like they did lose money. 
like it was more, they did have a loss because of, uh, because of less attendance that they had to specifically call out in their earnings call. They did cut a lot of the live entertainment in certain areas of the park. So, yeah. I mean, you're right that it definitely like certainly galaxy's edge is going to be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah. As we're seeing with rise of the resistance, it's the, that area of the park is going to be fine. But I mean, they definitely did some, some element just from an earnings perspective, it was below expectations. Their, their park attendance was below what their expectations were. So. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, I don't know if it's, you know, you, you talk about this, we talk about this hit that they did take from mm -hmm. this, but I think it, you also have to like, look at the long-term totally. strategy. So like, yeah, they, they took a hit early on, but you know, now, you know, they're going to be, you know, they, they're playing a long game here. Um, so I don't know. It, it's more kind of like what, what you're, what we're trying to think of right now is like, how do you mitigate that uh, loss in the opening? And I don't know what the answer is to that or exactly. E or even just more specifically, kind of like going back to the reservation system, like, cause I agree with you in general that like, certainly there has been a successful element to the virtual queue system or else they just wouldn't do it anymore. Right? Like we wouldn't still be having it for rise of the resistance. Uh, we would be having those three hour lines. We would be having fast pass. Um, that would, those, those elements would be in place had they felt like this whole virtual queue system is, hmm. is not successful, but there are learnings and there are elements that like need to be addressed going forward. Part of that Part of that's communication, right? Like going into Galaxy's Edge launch, going into Rise of the Resistance, if you weren't totally locked in in terms of Disneyland and the news coming out of Disneyland, you weren't like really keeping up to date on that. If you were just a casual park fan, you would have you have like no chance of hitting up galaxy's edge and you would have had no chance of hitting up rise of the resistance because you would not have known, Hey, you need to be logged into this site at this date at this time in order to get a reservation. And it's going to be gone in two hours. So it's not even like, Hey, reservations are there if you want them. And you find out about it the next day on, you know, whatever news you read. Uh, it's like, and, and, and honestly, even if you are plugged into that, they still did a really poor job of communicating what that process is going to be. I mean, I remember the whole process for the reservation system for Galaxy's Edge was, hey, um, log in at 8 o'clock to find out what the process is going to be at 9 o'clock or mm. 10 o'clock or whatever, whenever they went live. And so you had no idea what even to expect until right before it happened. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking it is possible that instead of doing a uh, reservation to get into the land, maybe they just do a reservation for Spider-Man, the ride, because that way they're not getting people um, feeling like they have to like get a reservation just to get in the land, which was one of the issues was kind of the the big issue with the the reservation system for galaxy's edge because you know people wanted to go see the land and then it was it wasn't as packed as they were worried that it was going to be this way they they can get people like and eh, it's you, you're not going to need a reservation for the land but you're going to need a reservation for the ride which is going to be probably the busiest part of the land anyways 
and then they still kind of keep it, you know, out in the public's kind of eye and people don't have to worry about having a reservation before they make their trip. And especially people who may have already had a trip planned for that area, that time, they don't have to worry about getting in the land. They just have to worry about getting on the ride, which you can do that day. You know, I mean, you may not get on the ride that day, but I don't know. I mean, it really depends on how they do it, but I mean, at least that way they kind of mitigate that whole problem of having a kind of a, a less packed land, uh, this way, people right. can walk through, and see it, and go, "Oh, okay, it's Marvel Land." Walk out, and they're not, you know, because that's what you know the casual fans are going to do anyways. Uh, and then Marvel fans will be able to have their their time in the land. Uh, but again, there's not going to be. I mean, I'm sure uh, they may also do reservations for the bar, like uh, that they have in there, the Pim's Kitchen. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, There'll probably still be some form of reservations. I think it's, just, I think it's supposed to be a quick service, though. Uh, well, I'm sure they're going to have something. Mm. Uh, they may have, I mean, I'm sure they're going to have quick service. I'm sure they're going to have a, a sit down. Uh, maybe that sit down is coming later or mm. something, but uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some form of reservation. I just think they may, now that I'm thinking about it, I think they may bypass the whole reservation for the land itself to kind of get past that kind of bad press, but then, you know, they, they have some form of preservation. Yeah. So, and I think too, Avengers Academy has a unique challenge with it in that it is a thoroughfare that connects. Um, I mean, you formerly Hollywood land, but that area Back by former Tower of Terror, now Mission Breakout, it connects that to Cars Land. Yes, and so right now it it's it is definitely a pain to kind of cut from Cars Land all the way back to Mission Breakout. So it it would be a real bummer if that land is open and that area is still closed off to just the general public. So uh, you still have to loop around. That would be a bummer. Um, so, but I do have. I do have two questions. It sounds like you've answered one of them, but so first of all, if you were to bet right now, whether they're going to take reservations or not for the land and the ride, what would you say? I'd say they would take reservations for the ride, not for the land. See, I, I feel like, I feel like they're not going to do any reservations for anything. Mm. That's possible too. I think it's going to be wide open. Wild West. You've got the walkway there. You've got the fact that with this timed launch that they're doing, the real e-ticket attraction, like you were saying earlier, isn't going to be open until later. They run the risk of Smuggler's Run where people went into the ride thinking this is the big thing and it wasn't. And they were disappointed that it wasn't. And Disney was like, but we didn't say it was the big thing. <laughs> and so, and so again, it was like a, it added to this feeling of disappointment with Galaxy's Edge. So you run that risk of being like, hey, this is a Spider-Man ride, which is a big deal, right? Like this is, this is, this is the first ride in this Marvel-themed land. And you could make the argument that right now Marvel is a hotter property than Star Wars even. 
you can make the argument. I mean, we don't have to do it now, but you can make the argument. It's certainly at that level in terms of general popularity. So you're definitely going to have a lot of people interested in it and high anticipation around it. They've been advertising it. You're going to see even more advertising as we get closer to it. And so, uh, again, they run the risk of people being like, Spider-Man, this is the big thing. And then they ride it and they're like, I mean, it was okay. Disappointing because of the hype. And then that gets attached to the rest of, <laughs> that gets attached to the general perception of the land. Again, long-term, not that big of an issue, but, you know, it's it's like you do want to put your best foot forward with this. So um, that's why, like I said, I feel like if they just, if they, if they don't do a reservation system, or at least just stick with doing like fast pass heavy, it'll depend on what the capacity is. If they're really preparing for some capacity in the way that smugglers run, like once smugglers run opened to the public and the entire land was open, like you saw high wait times at the beginning of the day, but as the day progressed, like it was maybe you'd get like maximum an hour wait, which for a new ride is pretty legit. Yeah. Um, and so if, if that's going to be the case with Spider-Man and you don't have that kind of head of steam going on into it, then, you know, it might be totally acceptable that, uh, you know, like I said, people people come away not feeling like, well, this was the big thing, but it didn't deliver as the big thing. And yeah, I mean, it's totally legit. I think, uh, I mean, at first I thought they wouldn't do uh, a reservation system for Spider-Man. I think, I think if they did a reservation system at all, it would be for Spider-Man, not the land. But I think even if they definitely do, uh, if they do a reservation system for the land, they're not going to do a reservation system for Spider-Man. Uh, I think I think they right. may. Yeah, yeah, it's got to so, be one or the other. Um, uh, in, well, or they may, like you say, uh, just not do a reservation system at all right. um, for either, uh, which I don't think would be a bad thing because um, I think it's it's going to have um, it's going to get publicity regardless uh so i don't know uh i th i think i'm i'm kind of on the you know fence saying like well you know i think i think they probably won't do reservation systems but i mean we'll have to wait and see we'll see and so the second question that i have for you is is this in your in henry hall's opinion is this virtual queue the way that they should continue down for for future e-ticket rides uh i think for e-ticket rides i think i think it's it is uh a viable uh means of getting people on the ride and not and uh mitigating that whole like keeping people in line for all day uh uh i think it probably needs some some massaging <laughs> so that uh it's not necessarily like uh you know more people can get through the ride and stuff and more people have access to the queue but uh i think it's it's definitely a viable something that they're going to keep doing uh and you'd be happy with that uh assuming that they make the changes to kind of smooth out the edges if they if they make things uh, a little bit uh massage them a little bit make make it things work a little bit better. Yeah. You know, yep. it's, it's, it's the time we live in and eventually, you know, it's not going to be there. So, you know, uh, 
I mean, they're going to, they're going to run it until it's not as super popular anymore and then it'll be gone. And then the, you'll just have fast passes and, and, and uh, waiting. and waiting. So do you remember what, and I, I can't, I'm, I was trying, so I was thinking about my previous experiences with like long wait times with new rides. This is, and this is definitely long wait times for new rides is more of a thing at Disney world than it is at Disneyland. Again, it's like, it's a very different experience in that you have larger crowds at Disney World and at each of the parks than you do at Disneyland. Like we've said, Disneyland is more kind of focused around um, annual pass holders and locals. So, uh, you know, those that kind of audience tends to ride it a couple times and then they're kind of done as opposed to Disney World Park where you have people coming in from all over the world uh, that are visiting for, you know, have a limited amount of time to enjoy everything there. And so everyone's just trying to hit those big rides as much as possible. Um, so, you know, like a, a three hour wait time for a new ride. I mean, I was looking at wait times for, for like flight of passage at animal kingdom that hits three hours pretty regularly on, mm. at peak times and at, at, um, on weekends even. And so, but that being said, I remember Indiana Jones adventure when that first opened at Disneyland and having to wait around three hours for that. And it was pretty miserable, man. It was so miserable, especially being kind of a young kid. And they have an incredible queue on Indiana Jones Adventure. Like that queue is spectacular. It's one of the best queues at any of the Disneyland parks or any of the Disney parks I've been to. But even with that, it was like, ooh, it was miserable. And there are points of that queue where it's really like claustrophobic. Like you're going through the, um, the hallway that has the diamonds on the floor and the spikes that kind of crush the skeletons on the sides um, or the cavern or anything like that. So thinking back to that and thinking about the prospect of a three hour wait at animal kingdom uh, or any of the, uh, any of the other Disney parks in um, Orlando, I mean, I'm think I'm leaning towards preferring the virtual queue system because where I'm at now, it's like, man, if I see anything more than like, you know, an hour wait, I'm usually like, I will catch it later, catch it another time. Maybe I'll wait until the end of the day and catch it at a lesser time. Maybe I'll see if I can grab a same day fast pass for it or something like that. But, um, you know, the prospect of waiting for uh, a new ride for like three hours is brutal, man. Ooh, it's not a, it's not a pleasant thought. Yeah. I'm, I'm all again, assuming that they smooth out those rough edges, I'm all for the system continuing. Yeah. Especially one of the things that, you know, surprisingly what Disney is lacking, I think there's really only one ride that really does it. Uh, but the queue is not has, I mean, one of the reasons why the, the Indiana Jones queue was, was particularly, I mean, it was nice queue, but it was kind of brutal as it gets hot especially during the summer and they have no like means of like cooling people down. Like, you know, something that uh, like universal studios has a lot of fans and misters. I've never understood that. Uh, So again, or the uh, Disney parks in Orlando have fans and they've usually have, they have a lot more shade over queue over their queue lines. And we do not have that in the only, the only queue that has any form of like cooling down of people is, is, uh, Radiator Springs racers. And that has the, the, and it's very minimal. Yeah. And even then you're still right. You're still in, in the exposed elements for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, it's, you just have like with three, three or four, like uh, fans overhead and, 
and it's 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 not much and they need they need to do something for those like cool keep people that uh cool down because that during the summer that can get brutal like uh i remember standing in line for splash mountain and whoo it was so hot especially yeah. when you get in t- inside and you're like going through like the the like uh the cavern type area yeah. and it's just it's just so bakingly hot in there. It's hot. It's narrow. It's crowded. It's just, it is the worst. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, I guess we'll see. We'll see. I think there's a good chance certainly for a lot of these, uh, for a lot of these big attractions that um, we're going to get it. We'll probably get it certainly for the e-ticket. So at uh, Avengers Academy, I would bet Tron light cycle will Tron light cycle get it. I bet it won't, but Tron light cycle won't get it. If, uh, Though, well, damn, I don't know. So I'm basing this off of my experience at Shanghai Disneyland, though it's a very different crowd in Shanghai Disneyland that visits Magic Kingdom. Shanghai Disneyland almost never had they they it's it's a very good capacity that it that it's able to fill pretty regularly. So um that line moves, but it was still only like a half an hour usually, and it's a very cool queue. I love that queue. It's a very awesome queue. Well, I'm going to say it's going to get it, but it's going to get a virtual queue just because I'm very biased. I love Tron. Yeah. And it's, it's been a long, long time coming that like Disney, like recognizes Tron in some form. Uh, A light, light cycle roller coaster is just sounds amazing. Uh, it looks amazing and I love everything about it. So I'm going to say, yes, it deserves a virtual queue. <laughs> but, uh, but that being said, I don't know. It depends on what they consider it. If they consider it an e-ticket, I think they it will. Is. No, it is it guaranteed. It's an e-ticket. So I think, I think it will. And then that, I, I think, so then if using that thought process, Guardians of the Galaxy coaster and Epcot's going to get it too. Yeah. So it's coming. Whether we like it or not, it's coming. It's just up to Disney to sand down those rough edges. Well, that just about does it for today. Remember, you can catch The Great Park Hop each and every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcast service just so happens to be. As always, if you like what you hear and want us to make more content just like this, Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, or hit that like button. This has been The Great Park Hop, and we'll catch you next week.